chapter 11. We begin the series today entitled Foundations. Foundations, I was in my time with the Lord back actually in December contemplating the new year and um, not only praying and, and waiting and listening because that's the most important thing is not just to preach a sermon, not just to find an outline and just talk through it because it sounds good. The Spirit of the Lord is speaking to His church. So it's up to every messenger, every pastor. I don't believe he should just get up and just because he saw something that he just gets up and just say it. That we pastors need to be listening to the Holy Spirit so that we my words match his. So I'm saying, Lord, what do you want to say to this church? Well, I'm also going to our elders and to other pastor friends of mine. So what's God saying to you? And and similar and 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 uh when I begin to sh- just listen to them, they're confirming what it is I'm going to share with you. Let me say something very uh, risky to you right now. If you and I will take what I'm about to teach you, and I don't know how, I could go all year on this, y'all. Y'all know that I can stretch a sermon out. I didn't get any many mans there. I just I, you just left me hanging out there, you know. <laughs> I, and, and you see, I'm, I'm I'm trying the best I can, Mama. You know, I, I'm really trying to tighten it up because I come in here all loaded up. I've been all worded up. I've been praying. It's like, oh Lord, hide the hide the children and women. He's boy, he's gonna preach all over. He's gonna preach all day long. So I'm trying to hem myself in because I want you to come back, you know. But um, but however long it takes me, I believe. That if you will hear the word of the Lord and put it into practice, that this could very well be a message that could change all of our lives for the rest of eternity. That's a pretty big statement. You say, that's pretty bold, preacher. What's your basis on that? Jesus said this. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but Jesus said this. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount... Matthew 7, he said, and whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into use, he said, I will liken him to a man or a woman who built their house upon a solid foundation. So if it's his word and we're taking it and we're building it, then I know this will change your life. All right? Are you in Psalm? Psalm 11, pick it up. In verse three, I wish I could work the whole psalm, but I, this, today I'm going to I'm going to do a little diddly. I'm going to do a little introduction. I'm going to jump off the train and say, "Come on back to the station next week," and I'll pick up from where I left off. But today I just want to get us to a place of understanding the importance of foundations. And here is this verse that I've been compelled by many times, and it said, "And when the foundations." are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, if you, I, I took that verse out for the, time, the, the sake of time, but when you read it, it's not asking a question as if when the foundations are being destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. It's asking you and I a question. When the foundations are being destroyed, it's present active in the Hebrew. It means it's currently, it's ongoing, it's taking place right now. When the foundations are being destroyed, 
then the question is, notice where the Holy Spirit directs the verse right back to you and I sitting in this room. What can we, the righteous, do? It didn't say the government. It didn't say um, some club or some lobbyist group or some corporation. It says, what can the righteous do? So what I take from this one verse, and I'm going to show you the pattern in Scripture, that apparently the righteous are the ones who are caretakers of the foundations. Now, you say, but they're being destroyed. That's because by default, we didn't show up on the field and somebody else is running the show. And so when I see what's happening in in our country today, oh, don't get me started, y'all. But when I see, for instance, our educational system being undermined by secular humanism and we've taken it. Would you understand in the early days of, of America that our little boys and girls were trained? They learned their ABCs by matching them with verses from the Bible. <gasps> what? Where's the ACLU? Well, they weren't around. And guess what? The foundation that our nation is set upon is based upon the word of God. And guess what? Look at this foundation, y'all. We just happen to be, oh, one of the most blessed nations in all of history. Hmm, wonder how in the world that happened. Well, because our forefathers were godly men and women and they founded this nation upon the word of God. How about the institution you'll see when we talk about when we get into family? how the institution of marriage. Do you understand that that foundation has now been shaken? Now you've got people who have walked up onto the scene and now we've been around for a long, long time, y'all, and not just us as a nation, but this whole thing called marriage. It goes all the way back to, well, like the garden. And, and, and you got somebody, a Johnny come lately, who stepped up on the scene and said, hmm, you said between one man and one woman? Well, we think you all are closed-minded and intolerant. You need to accept our new way. We think that a man with a man is just fine. Or if it's a woman with a woman. Or if it's a man with three men. Or how about if that's not enough, it's a man and his dog. Oh, don't go there, Bill. Because it starts coming, it starts coming, you start going, have, have your brains fallen out? You see, the reason we know it's a solid foundation, it got us to where we are. But the moment we step on that foundation, you can be sure it's going down. You starting to see something here? When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? So you and I have got some Herculean lifting to do. We've got a lot of work to do, but we need to do it smart and we need to do it by the Spirit. And you're going to learn that today. That's probably, I'm going to talk about what the foundation is for us. I'm going to start inside out and we're going to move out. But let me, let me bring this, this introduction into the context of where we are. All right, let me ask you a question. Do you believe we're living in the last days? When you read your Bibles, do you think that the signs that the Bible said would define the end days are unfolding in our time. Can I get an amen from you? Yes. All right. So yes and amen. We agree on that. I believe, now you don't have to agree with this or not, but I do believe that based on history that God speaks through the heavens. He speaks through signs and wonders. And several times those, he said, I will set you signs in the heavens. And we have learned now that we are in the midst of four blood moons 
that have taken place on, on, on festival days or feast days of the Lord. And every time there's been four blood moons in sequence as they are, something extraordinary, something unusual happens related to the nation of Israel. I want you to see what's happening in the Middle East right now. Ladies and gentlemen, we can be sitting here right now and everything be normal as it can be. And then you know as well as I do, like with 9-11, you can have one event that can change everything. All right? This is what God does. He says, for you, you people, I'm going to prepare you. I'm going to set a foundation for you that when everything is shaking because your feet is planted on my kingdom, you can't be shaken. So I'm telling you beforehand, when things begin to happen, you're going to be all right because your feet are planted on a firm foundation. Amen. So it says, we're, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The other thing that is in addition to the context, the times and seasons you and I find ourselves in, this is called the year of Shemitah. When you read the history of Shemitah, it is a time of alignment. It is a time where God is bringing economies and bringing purposes and plans and bringing them back into alignment. And it's either time of what we see in history. It's either a time of judgment or it's a time of prosperity. So the Lord steps up before a nation, any nation, that, that it's, that's going to claim his, his covenant. And he says, now, during the year of Shemitah, you choose. You choose to whether you want to be aligned with my blessing or judgment that will come upon a nation. So we choose. God says, I, be, I set before you life and death, blessing and curse. But you choose. Come on, your eyes are open now. You're breathing, aren't you? I'm coming at you. Do you want blessing? Do you want life? The Lord your God through the little preacher in the Johnny Cash outfit standing up in front of you is saying, then you choose. You choose. It's not this, he loves me, he loves me not. God goes, no, 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 that's, that's not it. I'm setting before you blessing and curse, life and death. You choose, which is it gonna be? So here we are in this time and God is saying, you know what? The foundations of where we are as a nation, of where we are as a people, will be the most important thing about you. So I put the subtitle this, Foundations Restoring What Matters Most. Now put up there, our mission statement is we're commanded to love. Oh boy, is that a big one? Come on, come on. Is that, I mean, he's, what did he say? He said, if, if you love God, I'm going to, since y'all got an amen right here. If we love God with everything and we love our neighbors or self, do you know what he said? You got the whole Bible covered. You know, how many brought your Bibles today? Let me hold it up. How many got your electronic devices? Hold it up. All right. You know, if we get that one commandment, which is he said the second is like the first, so it's really two in one, you know, like double mint gum. You know, if you get that one down, you got the whole book covered. Whoo! Let's go home. But that's the first. I figure, okay, that's pretty good, God. If we can, we're commanded to love as well if I want to. I don't like people who don't look like me. We don't want any long-haired people, any ponytail people in here. We don't like people with tattoos or piercings. I don't like white people. I don't like black people. I don't like people who speak with an accent. I don't care what accent it is, even if it's Southern. You see what I mean? 
There's prejudice inside of all of us. We need, to, we need to get his love inside of you. You know what I've learned? You know what God's teaching me through this season in my life? It doesn't matter who walks in or walks out. You better love them the way that I love them. And you better love them the way I love you. Oh, what, Lord? Bill, how do I love you? Oh, <laughs> I can say you're pretty patient. God, can I get an amen, a witness, an old me, shout me down, get up and run, something. All right. He says, I, you need to love other people the way you're loved. So that's a big one, y'all. But the next one, the, I think a lot of people in the church kind of just, ah, well, that's for the ones who are called to the ministry. You know, called, we had the, the, the folks who were called to the mission field last week. Well, yeah, there is a special calling. There's no question about it. But all of us are commanded to go. All of us are commissioned to go. It, it wasn't... Um, um, Jesus says, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Go ye therefore, except if you live in Muscle Shoals. Or except if you live on Florence Boulevard. Does anybody live on Florence Boulevard in here? Or, you know, except if, if you're 56 years old, which I'm turning this week. You don't have to go. I'm giving you an exemption. You can stay. Every one of us are called to do something for him, to go. Now you just got to ask, what does that mean for me? But this last one, it kind of gets buried. It's like, I want you to, because this is the, 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 in the DNA of who we are as a church, where we're going with our vision. It's that we are committed to build. Well, what, that's kind of out there, isn't it? Does that mean, I think if you were to walk up to somebody out um, in Waterloo, you know, or Cloverdale, and hand them our card and say, you see our mission statement says we're committed to build. What do you think that means? You know what most people say? A building. What y'all building? A building? Y'all got a facility? Is it one of those general buildings? One of those metal buildings with the facade on the front and the metal in the back? What's what's one of those buildings? Y'all got a fountain in there somewhere? You know, (laughs) a preacher thou humorous thyself. Um... No, it's not building a building. It's building his people. I'm into this. I don't really care about building big buildings, y'all. I am caring about building big people. I want to see big. I want to see Jesus living real big inside of you. And I want to see Jesus living real big inside of people who are sitting in seats, but they're not sitting here today. But they're going to be. Because when they hear the vision that God wants, there's a church that wants to do something. Not just a, well, did you see our facilities? Did you see our edifice? You know, the people, oh, did you? I I went to their church and oh, I was so impressed with their facilities. Nothing wrong, I want a nice building, okay? But I'd much rather than go, did you see those people? I don't know if I've seen people love like that. I don't know if I've seen, I felt holiness. And I, I felt people who really are serious about the Lord. I mean, I, it's almost like I saw Jesus with skin in that building. Well, we're committed to build. And this foundation, you're going to find out, is a foundation of building. And, and I guess I, I wouldn't rate these um, Where are these going to fall? Because all of them, all of them are important. Now listen, 
I, this, this is not to be exhaustive because as sure as I go through this list, you'll probably go, I, I thought another, Bill, that, that another foundation you didn't list there. This is a non-exhaustive list, but let me show you some, some foundations I found in the Word of God. All right, this is going to be the, the lightning round, so hold on to your seat. All right, I see the foundations of creation. That, and I, oh, don't go there, Bill. It was real interesting. After everything Job went through, that God looked at him in Job 38 and he says, and, 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 and he's like, Job's kind of going, what just happened to me? And God charges him with the question and says, first of all, he says, gird up your mind for what I'm about to say to you and understand before he asks him the question. We're coming to that, but let me take you there for just in your mind for a moment. He says, I want you to get your mind ready. I'm going to ask you a question. And then in verse four, he says, where were you when I created the foundations of the earth? Wow. Okay, you got, you got God taking poor old Job, little old Job, and he's got him, and, he, and, and he, he hits the rewind button and says, hey, Job, where were you when I was putting all this together? You know, you want to talk about humbling you real quick? If you, you're, you know, you're, you're full of it, you, you, you think you're smart, and you know, well, you know, I'm pretty smart, God. God can ask you three or four questions. He said, you know, I'm just as dumb as a bull. I don't know squat. I'm up with the intelligence. And that's why scientists call the construction of the universe as we know it, they call it intelligent design because, oh, I love the way they put it. I'm kind of getting off here. Lord, help me. When I get to that, they, they talk about margins of survival. They're saying the earth is on the exact orbit around the sun. It was just a little bit too close, closer. We, we couldn't, life couldn't survive because it'd be too hot. If it was just a little bit further on the orbit outside, it'd be too cold. We couldn't survive because it'd be too cold. And he said, because we're tilted and we rotate, it allows the photosynthesis and all the things take place where life can be sustained on the earth. And the scientists say, and it's because of these margins of survival that that the earth is able to survive. And yet they go, but it just happened out of some explosion. And I love that. That's like saying, you see this right here? I got my black watch on here to go with my black outfit, all right? This is a citizen, a citizen watch. That's it's like saying, okay, a big explosion took place that I'm gonna say, y'all come go out in the parking lot with me and I get me some M80s or whatever, some, some, I get some dynamite and I stick it in a coffee can and I stuff it and I light the fuse and I say, now y'all watch this, watch this. And you run, everybody run, boom. Man, what was that? Come on, y'all, let's go back. Let's go out and see. And I pull out of that, what was a coffee can, and I pull out a citizen's wife. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Look at what it, my explosion. I'm, you're going, going, okay, what are you smoking? You know, so you can say where I'm, you can see where I'm going with that. All right. But all of universe is created on these foundations that God constructed. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Thank you for praying me through that. I see, I see in the word of God. Are you really back? Yes, I am. Um, but when you're talking to yourself, it concerns all of us. Um, there are covenants. I see covenants 
in the word of God that God establishes things on a covenant. He founds them. They are a foundation. There are the law and the prophets. Jesus said of all these things, he said, I I am the word of God and I have come. I was founded on what they said. They preceded me and they revealed who I was going to be. Um, In fact, the word of God, we understand. He said, whoever hears these words of mine is like a man who founded his house. I see generations, uh, Isaiah 58 says, and you shall raise up the levels of many generations. Do you understand inside of you, whether you're a man or you're a woman, you have generations inside of you. You say, but I can't physically have kids. Doesn't matter. You can spiritually. Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, I begat you through the gospel. So if someone's born again through your prayers or your witness, you understand that you have children. You understand if somebody comes to you and says, I need help and I don't know what to do, but you're, 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 you're a mama, you're a daddy, will you speak into my life? You understand that through that, that you have children, all right? So there are generations that we raise up. They're, they're, they're foundations. There's foundations in leadership. There's foundations in authority. I'm going to get Dr. Rodden to help me with this because I love his teaching when, when he goes into teaching about health. He doesn't go just to the surface things right off. Because what I've learned from this man is that you don't all, you can't find out what's going on with a symptom. Amen. You have to go to the root cause. So what we've learned is that God has established the, the the human body that there's a foundation of health. And there's a foundation of well-being, spirit, soul, and body. And if you do the things the way God created your body, that foundation, you will be happy, you will be healthy, and you will be blessed. All right? So God has already established that. Here's the only thing. You and I have got to discover what is that foundation. Watch this one. Oh, and don't go there, Bill. Well, yes, I am. I'm going to go there. Do you understand there's a foundation for finances and for prosperity did you know in the word of God, God has already gone on record saying he wants you to be blessed? He said, well, I don't want to be blessed. I might backslide. Well, then don't be blessed then. All right? If that's the way you think, then okay, be it unto you according to your word. All right? But here's the thing, though. If you want to be a blessing, you got to be blessed. And if you want to be able to give to the poor, give to the little single mama that's struggling. If you want to give, put clothes on somebody's hand. If you want to give somebody some food or give them something, if you want to help somebody, then you've got to have something. So you need to say, God, I, I want to find that foundation to where you're blessing so that I can be a blessing. All right? Y'all still with me? Y'all still out there? All right, now turn over to, to uh, 1 Corinthians. I want you to look at this with me. We need to d- discover the foundation, but we've talked about the many foundations. We will come back to that. First Corinthians three, verses nine through eleven. I want you to watch because this this verse takes us somewhere, but it kind of just drops us off in the middle of nowhere, and then we kind of go, "Well, what was that?" But it, it demands a little explanation. First Corinthians three. This is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And in this, I love the context. Some of your Bibles probably say this, the context is uh, um, water working and warning. Uh, because he's changing metaphors. He first of all talks about 
uh, whoever planted and then they watered it, but God brings it. But then he changes and switches and he goes into building and how building represents who we are. But you got to stay with the thoughts. You understand what he's saying. For we are God's fellow workers, verse 3. You are God's field. You are God's building. Notice he switches there. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me, now watch this, as a wise builder. Let me just pause there and just say this, what I, what I do know about wise builder. A wise builder is like the project manager on the construction site. It's like the, the one who's in charge. The blueprint's already been set up. The architecture's all done. He's been handed the blueprints and said, you are the project manager of this. And he says, I am a master builder. Look at me, child of God. Every man and every woman in this place, you need to understand who you are today. This is an apostle writing this, but understand this too. You also are a wise builder. You are building something. No, I'm not. Oh, yes, you are. You say, well, I I don't know what all that means. With your decisions every day, how you live, where you spend your time, where you spend your money, and where you give your skills or education to, you are building something. Now, the only thing left to be determined at the end is at the end of it, what will you have built with your life choices? So he's saying to you, I am as a wise builder, and let's go on. As a master, uh, wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Now stay with it. And another builds on it. So he's, notice he's laying a foundation, but saying somebody will come behind me and build on that. He says, but here's interesting what he says. He says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, is laid, which is Christ Jesus. All right, you kind of read that and you kind of go, it kind of leaves you hanging. It's like, okay. Apparently, when Paul is writing to them, he assumes that they know what he's talking about. But it's not explicit there. It's, you kind of go, what are we talking about foundations? What is he talking about Christ? What is he talking about Christ is the one and only foundation? What does that mean? All right, so turn with me. I'm going to answer it for you because Jesus answers Matthew 16. We're going to find out what the no other foundation is. Matthew 16, verse 13. I'm going to read that whole passage. They're picking up in verse 13. Matthew 16, 13. Look at it with me. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You know what's interesting about this question? (laughs) There's one thing I love about Jesus. Have you ever noticed about him? He didn't care what other people thought about him. I mean, Lord, get me to be like that. I mean, are you there? (laughs) Come on. Some of us are probably closer there than others of us are. I said, what do you think? I don't care. What do you think? I don't care. I don't give a rip. I don't care what you think about me. Yeah, that's my wife. She's the first one. All right. So we're almost there. We're getting there. In the ministry, it's so hard. You know, when you want a full building and you get up and preach and it scatters, it clears the building. It's like, man, I'm, Lord, 
Give me one of those gathering sermons, not one of those scattering sermons. But Jesus stood up in front of them. They were all following him. Oh, yeah, he's the man. Okay, if you want to follow me, eat my flesh and drink my blood. <laughs> Jesus, you just cleared the room. Yeah. What about you? You want some of this? Whew. Man, Jesus, it's hard. Yeah, he said, I'm making it, I'm really trusting your hearts. I'm going to see who's real. I don't want a bunch of limp toast. I don't want a bunch of linguine spine disciples. I want somebody who's really serious about it. So that's what he's bringing. But what is this? So he said, well, who? Who do men say that I am? But Jesus, you don't care. Well, I'm going somewhere with this. So hang with me. Who, who do men say that I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist Some say Elijah. Others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But notice he he draws it down. He's taking you and I somewhere. That's why this is in your Bible and that's why Jesus did it. Because Paul was referring back to this about the foundation. He says, but who do you say I am? Now he's getting real personal. He says, well, preacher, just give us a great homily today. Uh, give us three points and a poem. Keep, please keep it to 20 minutes because, you know, the roast is in the oven. Um, and, you know, if you got a roast in the oven today, that was a prophetic word right there. I don't know what, what is this. Um, but who do you? He brings it down. Well, I know that's what they're saying. But what do you say? And then old Simon, old Simon Peter. He answered and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is in heaven. In other words, he, he said, you didn't see this on TBN. You didn't read it on Newsweek. You didn't see it on uh, you know, Wall Street Journal. You didn't read it in some book in school. He said, you just got a download. You just got an open heaven, a revelation of something that is out of eternity and into time and it will change the future forevermore. He said, you just heard from my father because you even, you don't even, you just gave a multivitamin. You just, this thing's all compact. You, I, I, God is going to reveal his foundation through me and you just, God just revealed you who I am. Now let's go on. Because of that, he said, and I also say to you, Peter, On this rock, there's the foundation. I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So is he talking about the literal slab of concrete under their feet? Is he talking about the dust? Where where are they talking about? He's talking about Peter. Are you with me now? Are y'all still with me? Help me. I'm just gonna help you out here. He's saying, based on the revelation, Peter, that you just had of me, I'm going to lay a foundation under you. And come hell or high water, it can't stop what I'm going to do through you. I make you invincible. I make you more than conquerors. I make you overcomers because you become my warriors. You become my, my wise master builders. And then he goes, he continues on, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now he's talking about government here. Whatever you bind on earth be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, let me just stop because I, I guess I didn't include this in this passage. It jumped off there. You all know, um, he says there, he says, your name is Cephas, but I'm gonna, from now on, I'm going to call you Peter. 
You want to know why he did that? Remember, what did Paul say? No other foundation can be laid except that which Christ... He's laying the foundation right now on this passage. He says, you're, you're Cephas, Simon, Peter, that's, that was your... He said, but now, from now on, I'm going to call you Peter, which in the Greek is uh, Petros. Petros. It's translated little stone. And when you get it, when he says, upon which I build my church, it's the ecclesia, the called out ones. It's not one stone. You see, our Catholic friends make a mistake in translating that passage. That's the reason they say that the Pope is the physical physical representation of Christ on the earth. Well, no, the church is the physical representation of Christ. And every saint who's saved and born again, Jesus lives inside of you. So God bless you, Pope, but... Uh, it's all of us. It's not one man. And he, he says, and so they get that from Peter. So it's apostolic succession that each generation has gone from one pope. To, no, it's not. That he just, no, Peter, on the revelation you had, not on you. He wasn't saying on you, I'm going to build my church. He said on the revelation, on the rock of revelation you had, I'm going to build my church. And, and then he says, now watch this. He says, I'm calling you Petros, which means little stones, and I'm going to put lots of little stones together, and I'm going to build a house out of living stones. And he says, and on on this, uh, he says, and uh, your name is Petros, and upon this Petra, the word rock in the Greek there is entitled is translated Petra. You know what it means? A big rock, or as my rose would say, ginormous, huge. It's this Gibraltar kind of thing. It takes your breath. He says, and upon, I'm going to take this little revelation, Petros, and I'm going to build on my Petra this incredible foundation that nothing can shake it. Nothing can take it down because its foundation is secure. Are you all right out there? Are you okay? Now watch this. And what is that one true foundation? I'm going to bring it down to this. And then we'll wrap it up. In Galatians 4.19, flip over there with me. Galatians 4.19, I want you to look at it. This is in the Amplified. The one true, what is this one true? Where does it get down to? Well, yes, it's the church. But the church has another foundation that also from whence all this originates. Because God does what? I love this. How many of you have read through different parts of the Bible? It will make um, it will make the reference from the foundations of the earth, or from the there's different or from the foundation. It says in Revelation, it says Jesus was the Lamb slain before the foundations of the earth or the world. So what does that mean? Remember, I've told you before that God never forecasts; He always backcast. That God always plans everything in advance, but he gets to the end of how he wants it to finish and he begins to work his way back to redeeming it all for himself, for his glory. So that's where he says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, to give you hope and a future. Why can he say that? Because he's already in your future and he's working toward you saying, align yourself. Because anything you say and do, I can work it all together for the good, for those who love me and are called according to my purpose. I'm weaving it. I'm, I'm threading it. I'm working it for your good because I am for you, not against you. I am on your side. I'm not on the enemy's team. I am working to redeem everything in your life. Oh, that gives me hope today. 
on this rainy January morning. That I've got a God that's already in my future. He's already there working on my behalf. And so that's what this is saying. He's saying, I, I, I am a God who is working back toward you and I have prepared from the foundations of the earth things that are to be um, to take place. But what is that? Paul's interceding. Now listen to what he writes to the church at Galatia. In Galatians 4.19. My little children. Okay, stop. <laughs> Can't you just read the verse? Why do you keep stopping? Because you got to catch If you read over it, you miss it. Notice how he's addressing you and I. Well, God, I'm a little insulted. I mean, I'm about to turn 56. I'm not a child. Well, he says that we should be childlike. Not childish. I mean, I'm, I'm not up here with my binky and my blanket. <laughs> Cast down that vain imagination right now. Just cast that down. Um, Because I've cast it down. I don't want to see that anymore. No, no, he said, don't be childish, but be childlike. Hey, mature person in Christ sitting in this room today, the more childlike you are, the more like Jesus you are. So if you start getting all pontificating and highfalutin, and thinking you're a bowl of Cheerios and, and more, and you thinking you're all that, you come walking around and say, you understand, I've been a Christian for blankety blank years. Now, aren't you impressed? You know, God's saying, you know, that's a, that's a religious stench. You're stinking the whole room up with your self-righteousness. But I have found the people who are the most in touch with God and God uses the most are the ones who usually surprise you. It's not the ones who know all the big words, you know, got all the, all the plaques on the wall. You know, you see all my degrees? You know what it means? I'm dying by degrees because I got a bunch of head knowledge but I don't have any child likeness. I have found the people who have the greatest revelation of God live like little children. She said, I'll find all that in the first three verses of that, first three words of that verse. That's why I didn't want to move on. My little children. Somebody say, my little children. Uh, That was 88.6 of you who said that. A couple of you did not say that. Uh, For whom I'm again suffering and childbirth pains again. I'm going to come over here while I'm preaching it. It's actually, another translation says, I'm, I'm in labor. Hello. Anybody here ever been in labor? I haven't. (laughs) Are we voting right now? I haven't. But I'm going to tell you what. I have been close enough to it. I think I could feel it. No, you couldn't. Oh, no, no, I couldn't. (laughs) When we walked into the, the room, the doctor says, do you want an epidural? I said, yes, and give her one too. All right. Do you, are you getting the picture of this man, this apostle who just told us about the foundation? Right? He said, I lay a foundation and I'm building on one and, and then another's gonna come up, but I'm laying one that no other can build. And Jesus said, I am that foundation, the revelation of who I am. Now, look at what he says here. Now, I am in, again, suffering with birth pains. No, oh, wow. Let that go deep down in your soul right now. Let it get down in your spirit. 
until what? Christ is completely and permanently formed, molded within you. What's God doing in this room right now? You can't see it, but there's invisible hands inside of your inner being. And he said, I'm molding and I'm shaping and I'm laying a foundation that son, daughter, if you stand on that foundation, the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. I'm giving, and I love the way Isaiah, which Peter actually quotes it. He says, behold, I lay in Zion a chosen stone. He says, a sure foundation. Why, why is it not good enough, Lord? Why couldn't you just say, just, I'm just laying you a foundation? He said, no, 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 you're not, you're missing it. I'm laying for you a sure foundation. Yeah, but what if hell hits my, hits my house tomorrow? He says, you got a sure foundation. Well, what if the bottom falls out of my business? What, what, if, what if our church goes through a thing? What if my life, what if the doctor gives me a bad, he says, I'm giving you a sure foundation. Come on, I need an amen. I'm going to amen myself. Amen. You have, Bill, you have a sure foundation and nobody, nobody, nobody can take it out from under you. Woo! I've heard it said this way. All right. If somebody, watch now. If somebody pulls the rug out from you that you're standing on, you're standing on the wrong rug. Because nobody can pull a rug out from you that you didn't go and stand on on your own choosing. So if somebody says, well, he's about to rip the rug out from under my life, you're standing on the wrong rug. He's saying, there is no other foundation like this one. This is the foundation that's a sure foundation and when it's on Christ, it doesn't matter what shaking comes, you're gonna say, I got this. Why? Because he's already got it. I'm gonna preach myself happy. All right, close your Bibles. I'm gonna wrap up. Frank, come on. Hallelujah. Oh, there's much more here, y'all. I know the picture, I was praying one time. Y'all just need to pray for me because I was praying one time and I got a picture because I get in the word and I pray and boy, when I get up here, I'm like, ooh, boy. I'm going to let you have it. I'm going to hit you with the word. And you love it. I know y'all love the word. I look out here. That's why you're here. Because like that preacher, he really doesn't care. He preaches the word. But I like the words coming out. Just bring that word. We don't care about your opinions, but we like your word. We like the word. All right. But I, I was praying one time and the Lord kind of, he kind of showed me a picture. He said, Bill, he said, I love that you love my word and you want to give it out. He says, but sometimes you give more than they can receive. And he showed me a fire hydrant. And he showed me some old boy, that thing was open, wide open. It was just shooting water. And this old boy was thirsty, it was on a summer day. And he had reached and putting his head down and knocking his head back out. He's like, but I'm really thirsty. He said, that's kind of the way you are sometimes. He said, my people are trying to drink, but you're flooding them with too much. And then he showed me a little water fountain out in the hallway. Remember in school? Little thing squirting up there. And there's a line. And you come up and... Uh, he said, that's the way your message should be. So, Lord, I'm trying. I'm trying the best I can. 
Amen. I'm going to amen myself right there. Okay. You see where we're going with this? If he can get a foundation inside of you that's formed, that forms Jesus inside of you, that's where it starts. You want to know why our country's in trouble? It's because our churches are in trouble. You want to know why our church is in trouble? Because we don't have disciples sitting in the church. We have people who go to the latest, flashiest, shiniest thing. And if they don't like it there, they hop to the next church. And God forbid that the man ever get up and tell them the truth. Because, well, I'm offended. Well, if Christ is formed in you, nothing can shake you. Nothing can remove you. Because you have a sure foundation. I want to close by just giving you, t- telling my heart about this. I, I, you know... There's a, lot, there, there's a lot of preachers out there, a lot of pastors who are a lot s- smarter than this one. I know that. There's, there, there are pastors who are much more eloquent, skilled orators, speakers, deeper, scholarly. Uh, I don't know. I'm not supposed to compare, but I do look around. And, and I think, God, you know, sometimes I kind of like to be like so-and-so. Because I kind of like some of the attributes and I'm, that's just not like me. And I'll have my creator look back and he says, but Bill, I made you the way I like you. You're not supposed to be like Pastor so-and-so. You're supposed to be like, well, Pastor Bill. Because that's who I made you. Now, I'm sanctifying you. you got some rough edges. I'm polishing you. But I like, I said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. I say that to say to you, I have, I have intuitively, maybe that might be the word, instinctively, maybe inspired of God. What I'm telling you now in this series, what I'm going to be telling is something I've lived out. Whether it's been by mistake, someone I look and say, golly, I wish I could have figured that out in advance. But I look, God, you already had that figured out. As for me, and I can't speak for anybody else, but you know, God's calling on each individual is different, isn't it? You're not supposed to be like somebody else. I'm not supposed to be like you. And you see what I mean? You're not supposed to be. We're supposed to follow what God has for us. He's wired us differently. He's gifted us differently. And there are different things that we're um, required to do. So let me tell you why foundations are important. And this is just another sliver of the pie. First of all, when I got saved, I was not raised in church. I mean, I didn't know one Bible verse. I got saved, and, and then the Lord called me to the ministry, and I said, you got to be kidding me. You're calling me? I still, God, I got issues. I'm not a perfect pastor. You're going to call me? He's, yeah, and I don't wait till you're perfect to use you. You just follow me, be obedient, and I'll use you. And so I said, okay, here I go. But do you know what he did? He called me to go to get an education. Now, I, I've belly ached a lot against, I've, I've been to seminaries and Bible schools where you got professors that standing up and they don't even believe the Bible's the word of God. And I'm thinking, you know, well, thank the Lord I didn't go to any, Bibles, any seminary like that. But I have learned that I learned through six years of two different Bible colleges, I have learned and watched it with these eyes, watched people called to the ministry, sitting in a classroom, allowing that class or that calling to become their Lord, and they lost touch with the Lord of the call. 
And they, they, they ended up, although they're sitting in a Bible college, they're spiritually in a graveyard. And they'll stand up and preach dead sermons to dead people. And nobody knows it. Jesus walked out of the church a long time ago, but boy, they got organization. Boy, they got the lights. They got the sound. They got the programs. Ooh, we're impressed. And we'll get back to that. Because he said, some will build upon this foundation using wood, hay, stubble. Some will use gold, silver, precious stone. But he says, you be careful how you build, what you're building with. So I learned, I look back and say, God, you, you, you called me to get an education. Why? Because God knew this old Alabama boy was going to need a foundation. I was going to need to get a, a repository in me to where, and not just the, you know what I've learned about Bible school and seminary? It's not that you retain everything that you learn in the classes. It's that you are handed tools so that you can continue to learn. So now y'all, and my wife will tell you, and most of y'all have been to our house, I've got books, and y'all those books are fine, but I spend three times as much time in the Bible as I do reading another book. But that doesn't mean we throw our other books out, does it? There's good stuff that God has given those men and those women. But can I tell you something? Here's why I do that. Look at this. The, the little preacher in black today is because I want a good foundation for you and for me. I'll take it to another, another dimension. I was 32 years old before I got married. Yeehaw! I can't tell you how many times. Do I, when I went to Bible school, you know what I learned? I got there. You know what the secret was there? They said... You know, people don't know this, but most of the girls who were in seminary and Bible school, they're here to get their MRS degree. I was like, golly, what does that mean? They said, they're looking for a husband. I can't tell you how many times. I mean, understand, 32 is not a spring chicken if you're not married. And understand, I thought people who looked like, they said, is he right? Because, you know, he's thin. He has neat hair. He irons his clothes. He's not dating the girls. Is he wired right? I mean, come on. I've actually had some people ask me that. Say, do you like the girls? Yes. Yes, I like the girls. But talk about being misunderstood. But I'm having to seek the Lord because he's called me to the ministry and I'm laying a foundation. Well, that's a little weird. You, I didn't ask you to understand. He just, this is where you're going. And so I met her on a blind date. But I was 32 year old, y'all. But you know what I learned? The stronger your foundation, the more likely that marriage is going to last it. That's why I take couples through premarital counseling. You know what it's all about? About establishing a good foundation for a husband and a wife and for kids who are to come so that when the, when the, when the storms start to hit, they can say, we can feel it blowing, but our house is not going down because we put it on a firm foundation. So I'm telling you, what I'm telling you this through, through this series and starting out today is that I'm living out what I'm telling you. I really believe this. Do you? Come on, let's stand together.